Despite the regulars resting, the Thunder made a big statement in preseason game number three, how Jalen Williams is primed for a year two breakout and Mitchich tries to settle into the NBA. You are locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. On today's show, brought to you by our good friends over at Game Time, we're diving into the Thunder's third preseason game, and there was extended run for a lot of players on this roster. As the regular sat, you saw even more so how exciting this season will be. How is that? We'll talk about that coming up, but today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. So if you're trying to get in on the action and go watch this really fun team play in person, use code LOCKEDONNBA, get $20 off your tickets to Thunder Games, and also become part of the Lockdown Thunder Insiders. Text 405-963-3686 or Go to subtext.com slash locked on for breaking news, rumors, game breakdowns, practice reports, and more, including being moved to the front of the line in mailbag podcasts, which happened tomorrow. So you can go and leave your question below as well for the mailbag podcast. But in today's game, the Thunder played the Hornets in their third preseason game of five, and it was their first and really only true road game, their only road game in the preseason where it's at an NBA arena. They played in Montreal Thursday. They'll play in Tulsa this coming Thursday. But in this game, it's a 4 o'clock game in Charlotte. SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, J-Dub, Chet Holmgren, and Isaiah Joe were all out with rest. Now, Pokashevsky has a real injury, the ankle injury that he sustained uh, before training camp. And then Kenrich Williams, who left Thursday's game uh, with discomfort, it was it was a revealed before the game against the Hornets that Kenny Hustle had back spasms. So we'll wait on an update for him in terms of the timetable. During this game, Cason Wallace got hurt with a with a uh, big toe sprain. So we'll see what the timetable is for him as well uh, with practice and Tuesday's game at home, of course. So the Thunder started this game with Michich, Cason Wallace. Wiggins, Jang, and J-Whale. The Hornets played their regular roster. I mean, it was LaMelo Ball, it was Terry Rozier, it was Brennan Miller, P.J. Washington, Mark Williams were their starting five. Like, that's pretty much the Hornets uh, heading into this year. And I want to address a few things. Why are the Thunder resting uh, in the preseason? It's quite simple. Uh, for, for three of the five that were resting, or six that were resting, SGA, Josh Gideon, Lou Dort, they played heavy, heavy, heavy minutes this summer. And it was high-level competitive basketball minutes. It was not just going and playing pickup or extensive training with your trainer. It was legitimate high-competition basketball at the FIBA World Cup. So with those three guys who are going to be tasked with playing a ton of minutes in high-stress minutes for the Thunder and also just got done playing high-stress minutes for their countries, you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to manage their load right now because they only got like a month's worth of an offseason. Uh, you know, you, you get bounced in April, 
they got a couple weeks off there, go to training camp in FIBA, and then they all were playing until the very last week. And for Shea and Dort, they are playing until the very last day, an exact month before training camp. So not a ton of time off for those guys. So you want to make sure that you rest them in these games where you can. And then for Chet and J-Dub, you know, of course, with Chet coming off that injury, I don't think that really played a factor into it. I think they just naturally can for rest. Another reason why you look for rest is because the Thunder roster has 21 players on it. 20 of them have reported, and you've got to find ways to make sure everyone gets active and everyone gets some pretty sustained run, which is why I told you on Friday, I wouldn't expect this game to have a lot of regulars, and it did not for the Thunder. It's a getaway day game. It's a matinee game on the road, and then you play in Paycom Center Tuesday. Uh, so maybe that factors in as well from a business aspect of it, of who you want to play and win. Uh, but you still saw a very competitive lineup, and that is why – even in this game where the regulars didn't play, you found some beauty in this game for the Thunder. And it was kind of multi-layer full. So with everyone out, right, your whole starting unit is out, all five. Your, your best two bench players are out, and your top ten pick in Case and Wallace leaves the game early. With all of those factors into play, the Thunder were still a fun, spunky, scrappy group. Like They still had a competitive roster on the court. You'd have killed for this lineup a couple of years ago. And the results don't matter. But what, what even more so disqualifies the one and two preseason record is that the system that the Thunder are playing and running and, and executing is there. Like the Thunder are playing extremely good basketball and the regulars have been even better. And if you're in a position where the regulars are playing more minutes, they're 3-0 and right now, and they look dang good doing so. And so that's why I think that it's it's elevated your opinion of the Thunder because they've had a really good training camp. They should be 3-0 and if you care about results in the preseason. And your biggest, your biggest issue with the team or complaint or problem or the biggest area to address with this team is just they got to play more. They've got to play more of their regulars. Guess what happens next week? You play more of your regular roster next week as these games start to count. So uh, I, I think that what we've seen from this team has been great. And we're going to get into some individual performances like Jay will like Mitchich, where it's been so good on an individual basis. And as a collective team that when you start to picture what these guys' roles are and what they're going to be tasked with doing, what they're going to be expected to do, uh, it really allows you to see the bigger picture of how good this Thunder team is. But I did want to lead off with why the Thunder are choosing to rest and, and choosing to um, use some of these games to cycle guys uh, in and out. But I think that this this season cannot get here soon enough for Thunder and their fans and everyone else because – so far, there's just not a ton to critique and not a ton uh, to be concerned about. Uh, you look at Mitchich and Jay Will, those are going to be the two top guys uh, of this podcast, but uh, Casey Wallace deserves a huge credit to him. He did leave the game early, so we did not see a full game of Casey Wallace, which really does suck because uh, this was an opportunity to get a huge look at him in a, in a longer runway, uh, especially whenever you had so many guys out, but he did sprain his big toe. And so we have no idea what the timeline is. We'll likely talk to Mark tomorrow after practice. And then of course, Tuesday pregame and figure all that out. I would imagine 
that they're being extremely cautionary with their 10th overall pick in a meaningless preseason game. But whenever Kaysen was on the floor and was playing, he backed up. He backed up all the talk. And the talk wasn't from him. It was from Mark. It was from his teammates. Like everyone has been consistently talking about how good Kaysen is. Kenny Hustle, you know, talked about how he has the stuff of a really high-level player, the way that he did about J-Dub, calling him a potential all-star. SGA, the face of your franchise, the guy, talking about how he can be an instant winning player. Wiggins, wanting to boost up his defense, but also not let you forget he's really good offensively as well. And on down the line, these guys have been really, really kind in, 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 in their appraisal of Cason Wallace. And so far in the preseason, he's backed it all up. I, I think that the most... Uh, you know, the most prominent parts of this game for him was what he did that you're going to see him do a lot is being a pest defensively. Like I, I think that defensively you, you can see how he's a good isolation defender. You can see how he's good within the, within the team construct of defense, but you can also see how he just gets under your skin and is a pest. His ability to swipe at the ball on a, on who he's not guarding, right? So he's he's defending off ball and somebody's driving in next to the guy he's guarding. His ability to kind of reach in, poke at the ball, poke at the, the driver without getting called for a foul, without making contact. And if he does make contact, it's with the ball. Uh, it, it is impeccable. It is, it is awesome to see that that kind of savviness as a defender as a rookie is pretty impressive. But what, where he thrived offensively, he had the highlight mid-range free throw line jumper, stop on a dime off the bounce, looking like Shea. He had that play. But the more impressive play was his ability to cut. And so the cutting was twofold for Casey Wallace. He had an ability to cut and find the soft spot in the zone and find the lane to, to clear out both his lane to the basket in the sense of getting an open look at the rim, but also clear out a window to get the ball. Because if you if you just cut willy-nilly and and yeah, you are open, but there's no there's no line of sight to get you the basketball, it doesn't really matter. He found a good he did a good job of finding out the, the zone that could be useful and the area of the court that could be useful for him on these cuts, but particularly him not getting rushed. It was it was huge. And it and it's you know kind of kind of uh, shocking to see for a rookie. There was a great play where he made a fantastic cut down the lane. And Jay Will finds him on a great pass. And in those moments, your eyes can get wide. There's no one in between you and the basket. And your teammates made a great pass to you. You want the easy two points. It's the NBA. You want to get your bucket and everything. But he understood there's no one in between me and the rim, but there is someone stalking this prey like a hawk, this basketball like a hawk. And so he uses a pump fake, gets the flyby, and now he truly does have an unblemished uh, lane to the rim to score. And so the patience that he has when cutting, both electing when to cut behind the defense, but also when to release the shot at the rim is impressive as well. So the, the, the two ways he'll be used for the Thunder team this year – is going to be primarily on fitting in with their cutting style of, of offense and then what he can do defensively. He did both those things really well today before that ankle injury. So it was great to see uh, from him. Now, the two bigger stories player-wise on this team was Jay Will and uh, Michich. We'll talk about both those guys coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, better get a friends over at Game time. Game time's great. You're going to want to use them today because if you go to gametime.com and use code LOCKEDONNBA, you get $20 off your first purchase. And what they do is they're great for you, the fan, because what Game Time does is they guarantee you the lowest prices 
guaranteed flat out. And if, and if you somehow beat them, they'll, they'll credit you back with, with that uh, reduction, but they have flash deals. So if you are somebody who lives around Oklahoma city and kind of every day, you know, there's 41 home games every day, you kind of hem haul around. Do I want to go? Do I not want to go? There might be just a random flash deal that makes it to a price where you just can't say no. And you have to go grab it at game time and go to the game for last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Game time is great. And it's all directed for you, the fan. You get a view from your seat. That way you know exactly where you're sitting at and what the sight lines are. And if it's something that you want to uh, partake in, they have concerts, movies, sporting events, everything you can want, theater, plays, and more. So check it out today. Then they even let you uh, get a great you know, selection of your seat from the app itself to know what you're bargaining for. Go download the game time app today whenever you do. Uh, use code LOCKEDINNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms, are, terms and conditions apply. Go there right now. LOCKEDINNBA code GAMETIME.COM. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. So let's talk about Vasa Micic. So the biggest aspect of his game is that how he looks so comfortable, relaxed, and confident. I think that we can use comfortability as a catch-all term in terms of just needing to catch up to the speed of the game. I think he looks comfortable. I think that he looks confident in what he's doing, decisive in what he's doing, and he understands how to make a play. He doesn't look timid. He doesn't look scared. I think what he's lacking is the adjust to the pace of the game, the adjust to the athletes on the other side, the adjust to the verbiage of what the Thunder call things and what the Thunder uh, uh, uses a system versus the verbiage of what his other team did. And, and, and verbiage, of course, is on the court and off the court too. Like this is a whole new country, whole new language, uh, and it's just all different for him. So he's got to adjust to those two, two things a lot. I think what sticks out a ton as well, he is a really great playmaker, and there is no denying that. And that has, that has popped through his play already. And what's so exciting about his playmaking is he has not had enough time to understand where guys like to be, where guys like to relocate to, where guys like the basketball, where guys are, are in best position to score. And yet he's still racking up a lot of assists when he's out there per you know 36 minutes. So I, I think that comfortability is not the right word necessarily because to me, I, I think of comfortability as like, is he playing timid or not? I think he understands what he wants to do. I think there's just a new level of adjustment uh, into his new teammates, the speed of the game, uh, how defenses play the passing lanes, uh, what, what you commonly see defenses do or, or laps on in the NBA, uh, and, and kind of when you can exploit that matchup. And of course, just where guys like it, where guys like the ball, where guys are typically going to be at, when guys are going to cut, you know, when guys are going to stay home. Just knowing your teammates, I think, is what he has to adjust to, plus the overall pace of the game. But he absolutely loves using that behind-the-back move. He loves it. I, I think that he has a steeper learning curve on defense than he does on offense. Uh, I, I think that on offense, you know, he, he's been he's been good, not great. And I think that the only blemish for his offense has been finding out the the speed of it and finding out the, the system. It hasn't really been on him necessarily. Uh, he's got to find a way to get those spots and, and, and get shots off, and he does that. Uh, he's got to find a way to uh, gain chemistry with his teammates, which he can't do overnight. So, like, there's no 
there's no like backlash to that because you have to just have time to do it. Defensively is where he's going to have to make the, the jump and make the, the transition. And I'm not sure how long it will, will take, but I, I know that it's easy right now for two games to say that he's a terrible defender and he can't defend in the NBA and he'll be an awful defender forever in the league. What I was pointing out on Friday and we'll expand on today, just give him time for a second. Now, when I say that, don't hold your breath and expect him to become a all-defensive player or even a good defender or even an above-average defender. But I think he can be an average defender. I think he can be a slightly below-average defender. I think he can be in that realm of competent defense. I'm not ready to say he's just completely awful defensively and a turnstile. There's a few reasons why. He has to learn what his spots are defensively, what his matchups are defensively, and how to defend NBA athletes. Who to give space to, who to pick up high, right? Who to go under screens on, who to go over screens on. He has to understand those things and understand, hey, this guy, if I if I get up up on him, he's gonna blow right by me. He's so fast. This so I need to I need to stay back a little bit and then just worry about closing out on the shot if he decides to pull it. Things like that of just knowing your personnel around you, you know, who you can funnel in the action to, knowing uh, who to switch with, knowing who, who what, what the responsibility is of everybody on the court, think like things like that, but also just simply where to be and how to, how to execute defensively. Again, he's not going to be some fantastic defender, especially not in the NBA. But I think that we're a bit premature in, in just stamping him as a, a, a terrible, terrible defender. I want to see what it looks like. It might end up coming true that this is just who he is defensively, but I'm not ready to say that it is yet because we have not given him the proper time to adjust to the speed of the game in the athletic level of the NBA. So don't, don't take that as me saying he's going to be a great defender, but I think he can be better than this defensively. I think that he has the, the, the savvy tools, the length physically, uh, and I think that he has the, the ability to be a hideable, competent defender. Now, offensively, it's been really fun to watch. Now, the, the scoring efficiency is not there yet. I don't really worry about that. I think that this is a guy who is going to be an efficient player. You saw him be used a ton in pick-and-roll action. And the Thunder made a point of that today. The reason being is that completely swings this stuff for Oklahoma City. But him being really good in the pick-and-roll really swings things for the Thunder. Because, number one... That's where he's the best as a player. And he can spoon feed players easy buckets. And also where he's good in the pick and roll is his ability to read it like a textbook of like, when is it your turn to on the pick and roll as a ball handler, keep it and drive it and try to score yourself. When is it time to look for someone else, you know, uh, and totally out of the action. And when is it time to look for your role, man? He understands how to do all that and process all of that in a matter of seconds. He's really good in the pick and roll. And you can see in this cut-heavy offense where the secondary unit without Shea, without Josh, it has lacked someone who can just simply get them organized and simply steady it down, steady it down. We need to bucket here. How are we going to get it? Let's get guys in position to succeed. And so – with his calming nature 
of running the pick and roll. It might be a bit slower than their typical third and pace that they were as a team wide, but it'll be more effective as an offensive unit because, again, the cuts that can happen behind that pick and roll action will do wonders for this team and will do wonders for not having your offense ride a tidal wave and instead kind of steady it out a little bit. And his pick and roll partner in this game was Jalen Williams. Jay Will was his pick and roll partner. And Jay Will got a lot better. I, I think he got a lot better in this over this summer. And you should not get this game confused with last year. There were some very key difference. I will tell you why, but also I will tell you what are good friends over at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is great. And the, the thing is with BetterHelp, everyone needs somebody to talk to, and you can go get that at betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, right? We all go through things in life and, and, and you want to make sure that, that you are taking care of yourself. And, and if you're thinking about starting therapy, you better give BetterHelp a try, I think, because with BetterHelp, it is just this unique tool that is entirely online. It is designed for your convenience. It's flexible and it's suitable to your schedule. And so if you feel like you could benefit from therapy and you've been pushing it off and, you know, yeah, I, I think I could benefit and, and I'm open to it, but where, where am I going to find the time between work, between family stuff, between, you know, hobbies and everything, where am I going to find the time? The BetterHelp system is designed for people like you who are open to it and haven't really quite taken that leap yet. I think that you should go on that kind of a branch, if you will, and, and take that leap of faith into better help because you can get that right therapist for you and unlock the wonders of therapy, but it's around your schedule. It's around uh, kind of what you have to deal with. And so you can go there and fill out this brief questionnaire. And so after you do that, it'll match you with a licensed therapist. The thing is, if that's a perfect match right away, that's great. Hit the ground running. If you find that it's not the perfect fit for you and you don't really want to feel comfortable with that therapist, it's okay. You can switch at any time with no additional charges. So BetterHelp is great for you if you're just getting into therapy. And if you're a therapy veteran, it's a very convenient way to continue on your therapy journey. So check it out today at betterhelp.com slash locked on. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get started with a 10% off your first month. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on MBA. We're back on Lockdown Thunder on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for subscribing to Lockdown Thunder anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. So, Jay Will. Jay Will looked a lot better. Um, he looked better in a multitude of ways. Number one, first and foremost, he looked like a much better screener. He was both better laying the initial screen, but also when the initial screen action didn't work, he was able to get faster uh, at getting back to the rescreen and, and and resetting things in a faster manner and understanding. And this was the impressive part with Michich, especially because he hasn't played a ton with Michich. Uh, getting back and rescreening for him really popped off the screen for this game. On top of improved screening and improved rolling, and he had um, some really nice plays in general, his three-point shooting is still there. <laughs> I, I think overall, the three-point stuff for Jay Will is legit for a few reasons. Number one, he is willing to shoot the three ball, but he understands when, where, why, and how. Like, why, why shoot it now? 
depending upon the shot clock, the game clock, uh, the, 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 the teammates that are surrounding him on the court, uh, who is going to cut open. He, he, he is not, he is not gun shy. He's not gun ho. He's perfectly balanced of, of how to shoot the three ball and when to shoot it. Uh, and if defenses do over pursue him, he has the ability to make you pay by taking a dribble in and, and using his great playmaking chops or getting to the rim. Uh, you know, he's been improved on that as well over this off season. At some point, the league has to adjust to him, right? He's a 40% three point shooter right now. They're still not guarding him quite as tightly as they would typically guard a good three point shooter, obviously. And he's going to make you pay for that. And once they start to adjust to that, as he continues to prove he's a good shooter, then it opens the door for much more for this offense. The other aspect of this is we talked about how Micic can really help initiate the offense and organize the offense. He's also a very versatile player. Like he can do good things off the ball as well. And so I love the idea of continuing, even with Micic, using Jay Will as an option to, to facilitate from the high post. And that gets then in turn. Micic will spend a lot of time setting guys up. It'll in turn set him up for some easier buckets as well. And so you can start to see how this secondary group will come together and be a cohesive unit. Uh, something that I don't think is getting enough credit for Jay Will is his improved touch in the mid-range. He shot 37% in the mid-range last year. Not very good. He was really good today with, with soft touch in the lane and in that mid-range elbow and in. He was much more active defensively in this one. He continued his trend of having good positional defense and walling up at the rim. And I think that today kind of tricked fans' minds or made them relapse or forget or or or, or just kind of not grasp what this season will look like for Jay Will. Today, he played huge minutes, extensive minutes. He was the lone rim protector. And so you got kind of those flashbacks of last year. The thing is, all five players that were out tonight in the starting five, plus your two best bench players, are not all going to be out the exact same time. That's a very, very low likelihood of all those things happening. And so when you add Chet Holmgren back to the mix, then you only have to navigate X amount of minutes a game without a really, really, really high-end rim protector. By the way, they used to have to na navigate 48 minutes without a true rim protector, and they still won 40 games by patchworking Jay Will and, and Kenny Hustle and Poku and Usman and all these guys together. So... This is not a huge worry of concern for me is the rim protection and Mark Williams had a really big game. Like, like to me, we've seen it have enough success last year to win 40 games. Now you're going to add Chet to the mix. And now what you're doing is you're shrinking the sample size. And I think that that helps you and helps the cause for J. Will. I think in a vacuum of 20 minutes, that, that Chet will be on the bench, you know, 20-ish, 25, whatever, whatever he ends up being on the bench for, that you can piece together a really good defensive unit of Jay Will and Kenny Hustle and those guys to play down low. So I, I think that the rim protection stuff got a bit overblown today because you you were thinking of what it looked like last year. It's not going to look like, like, like that this year. Number one, the minutes uh, in total of what you're playing as him as the rim protector will shrink Number two, in an ideal world, the lineups that he's going up against will completely be changed. It will no longer be their best big man on the other side. It will no longer be that for, for J. Will. 
Uh, I think his re- rebound total, of course, was higher than the, this game. I, I think that that was more so a product of the players around him than it was like he himself. I, I think that he already didn't get enough credit as a rebounder last year because he oftentimes was really good at boxing out, but it was boxing out to clear the way for Josh Giddy, for Shea, for J-Dub to come get the rebound. And in turn, that lets you play a lot faster, but it lessened his rebounding numbers. Today, you don't have those guys, and his rebounding numbers kind of boost up a little bit. Uh, I, I would I would assume that that's kind of more so uh, the rationale there with Jaywell. I think that he already didn't, didn't get enough credit for the rebounding aspect of his game last year. Now he'll get some of that credit because it actually came through the box score. But Jaywell looked really impressive. And the efficiency as a score, as a passer, and and the the – Ability to do the right things defensively when you only need that for 20 minutes a night instead of needing it for 30, it really, it really impacts the way that you, that you look on the floor and the way that, that people think about you. 18 uh, points, three assists, nine rebounds, a block, two for four from three, 70% from the floor. Really good game from him. He only had one miss inside the arc. Nice game from Jay Will. Uh, Davis Bertans, I think, unlocks a totally new dimension for the Thunder. He gives you this new break glass in case of emergency type of option where if your offense is just struggling and you find yourself down in the box score and and maybe it's just not so much that the offense is struggling, but the other team had an otherworldly start where they've canned six threes out of the gate and you obviously don't have those type of shooters in your starting lineup. Great glass in case of emergency. Use Bertans to come out there and really get you back into things and really help you swing games around with the way that he can shoot the ball. In a weird way, he's kind of like Jackson Arnold, right? Like you're trying to redshirt Jackson Arnold, but you want to still see him play a little bit this year, but he can only play in like four games. And you're trying to figure out how to use his and pick your spots on when to use Jackson Arnold. But you also, you know, of course, need to keep him ready because what if Gabriel got hurt or something like that? Like he's a weird version of Jackson Arnold where he's not the five-star. He's not the top prospect. In fact, you dang sure do not want to play him in 75% or more of the games because you do not want to be on the hook for a salary uh, next year. You want to lessen that to $5 million. So he can help you. He can do things for you, but you want to make sure you manage the minutes and pick your spots wisely of when you use him. And so I think that his role, of course, looks similar to uh, Muscala and Sarich of last year. Along with that, you know, that line of thinking of like using him like Muscala and, and Sarich, I'm interested to see if they use him as this kind of uh, 11 second sub, let's call it. You know what I'm talking about. If you've watched the Thunder last year and the year before, there is no opportunity left unturned by Mark Dignall. If there's a dead ball with 10 seconds, he's going to throw in Lindy Waters or Isaiah Joe because it's a possession and and it's a possession opportunity to get points. Now you can throw in a really, really, really good shooter in Davis Bertans. Like, is he going to be kind of that 11-second dead ball? Hey, let's get him out there. Along the same lines is we have not seen him play with Shea yet, but envisioning the Shea plus shooters lineups with Davis Bertans, who has some premier relocation skills, an incredibly quick shot, and he can get enough depth on his shots and, and shoot it deep enough from beyond the arc that – it's almost impossible to defend him and Shea because he, the gravity of him pulls you so far away from the rim where Shea likes to dominate. 
If you don't follow Bertans out to the rim, though, you've just traded in two point. You know, instead of getting instead of having Shea get you two, Bertans is going to get you three. So you, you've lost a point in the transaction more often than not as a forty percent three point shooter. So what? What Bertans can do is really, really fun for the Thunder. It's just a matter of making sure he doesn't play in that 75% threshold uh, for this season. Trey Mann, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and Jack White will be a talking point of this game because it was it was some, some significant burn for the three players on the roster bubble. So the Thunder still have to cut three players, three standard contracts. So the two-way guys don't count in this. They've already said, you know, Victor Lodipo, is not going to report. He's not going to be on the roster. So now you're down to getting two more gone of Jerry, Trey Mann, and Jack White. And in this game, Trey Mann, it was, it was a mixed bag, I think, for him. He seemed at times a lot more decisive, a lot better at, like, you know, executing what he wants to do and get to his spots and just live with, with the results. But then there were a possession or two where, you know, he uncomfortably shoots a shot and it's just way off, way off. There's the turnover aspect of it too, where he had like four turnovers. I think that he got better as a playmaker, but of course needs to clean up the turnovers. I think that he still has to finish plays. We've talked about this all summer long. If you go watch Trey Mann play basketball and you pause the game as the ball is leaving his hand, he looks like a really good player. He creates space. He takes good shots. It looks like it's going to go in. But then he hit play, and they all typically miss the last year. And and then now we're starting some of that same trend a little bit. He's got to finish plays more consistently. He's he's got to just have the ball bounce his way, really. But the turnovers and the uncomfortable moments where, like, he just takes a bad, you you know, shot in the sense of the decision process was there. Like there was a there was a step back he had where he was wide open. It was a good shot, but it was as if he like tapped the the square button in two K instead of holding it for the shot meter, and it was just like a very late like oh messed that one up, right? Like he just has to get kind of better at, at those kind of things uh, to really impress. But I think that ultimately you can see Trey Man improving. Like you can see him um, getting better and actively uh, building on some of those flaws and improving some of those flaws in his game. Now Jeremiah Rumpson Earl. Look, uh, he had the the clean, clean, clean look at the layup at the buzzer to send the game to OT, and it just whiffed. That ball bounces in. It's a non-story. That ball bounced out, and now the discourse around him is just piping hot. So from the human element of things, you have to feel for him, right? Because, like, at the end of the day, he wasn't trying to miss the layup. He didn't do anything wrong mechanically, the ball just bounced off the cylinder wrong. I, I think that that's like the worst part about it. It's similar to how I feel about Lindy Waters in a way, because like Lindy Waters is a sharp shooter in theory. Like he shoots 36% from three and misses a ton of clean open looks. But the issue is there's nothing to like critique or like it fix about Lindy Waters. I'm not going to proclaim that I'm Chip England, but like his shooting mechanics look really good. His shooting looks really good. His form looks really good. His decisions on when to shoot are really good. His defense has improved a ton over the last year. Everything's really good. Just for some reason, you look up and he's only shooting 36% from three. Like, but like, but what do you tell him to improve? Same kind of thing on that layup. Like, 
The decision to cut there was good. The, the feed was good. The, the, he caught it well with his hands. He went up strong. He, he went up, had the ball over the cylinder, had a perfect, perfect, perfect look, and it just didn't go in. Why that is, who knows? But at the end of the day, after a disappointing season last year, after a summer league where he couldn't get on the court, like but one game, and in that one game, he wasn't very impressive in summer league, he's off to a disappointing start in the training camp, and somebody, somebody has to go. And so it comes down to him, Trey Mann, or Jack White. And Jack White in this game had 7-7 seven and seven with solid energy and defense. Jack White does a lot of thundery things. He does a lot of thundery things. Uh, but it's still down to those three guys, I think, on the roster bubble. Two of the three have to go along with Victor Oladipo. We're going to find out this week. We're going to find out this week. Uh, I think that Saturday will be the day it gets cut down, if I'm not mistaken, ahead of uh, next week's opener on Wednesday. So, Cannot wait to see how this all unfolds, but we'll have you covered here. So Tuesday will be a mailbag podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Thunder. You can leave your mailbag questions in a lot of different places on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Styles. You can leave them on the email address if you don't have social media, lothunderpod at gmail.com. And subtexters, you're going to get moved to the front of the line on subtext.com slash Locked on Thunder. So a lot of ways for you to get involved with the show, make sure that you do it. So Tuesday, Mailbag Podcast, what are your thoughts on the preseason so far? What are your questions about the team in the preseason? Wednesday, we're going to recap the Bucks game. Thursday, we'll have a guest on. Friday, we're going to recap that Pistons game to wrap up the, the uh, preseason slate and give you our final roster predictions. Uh, and we might even get some breaking news in between now and then. So make sure you stay plugged in. This is your home for all of Thunder basketball all season long. So make sure you subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.